Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. So, 923 NFL Week 6, uh, as we discussed the end of the week of NFL action, it was one of those, just one of those weeks. Like, uh, if you were a gambler, certainly was not a good week for you. Um, if you were a fan of a team that, uh, they had a good record, a great record in the case of 49ers and Eagles. It, it wasn't your week as well. Uh, we're going to begin, though, with, as always, well, themes, any given Sunday. And that definitely played out this week as we had we had two two big upsets and a near, a near big upset on Monday night, excuse me, on Sunday night. So it was one of those Sundays where uh, things were kind of a little upside down and a lot of defense in this in this week. During this week, there were a number of, of games played in the teens, not outside of the Dolphins. Uh, nobody scored. A lot, nobody scored, basically, outside of the Dolphins um, for the most part. So, you know, I think, you know, we got to realize with the NFL, and because it's only 17 games, and it's easy for me to say, I don't play in the NFL. I don't have to deal with that physical tor- uh, torture that these guys go through uh, week in and week out. But, in other sports, we look at some periods where, especially basketball uh, and baseball, especially with the NBA, where a team will lose, even a good championship team will lose three out of five, three out of four, four, you know, six go a stretch where they're 500. And you look on the counter and it's like January and February. And you say, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's, 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 it's kind of like that period of we're not quite ready for playoffs yet and it's a period in the season where boredom can set in, especially if you're a team that's that's championship caliber and you're, you're thinking about the playoffs and you're thinking you and you know, you know those sports are in the NBA more so than any other sport, just about as a postseason driven sport. So I can it's understandable from that standpoint of of, of a team struggling uh, in the middle of the season and, and with so many games, eighty two games in the NBA football, we don't think about that, but there is a dead period in football. Uh, I, I would say mid to late October uh, can be that period, that mid to late October, because the honeymoon is over. September is the is the month, and I said, said I said this September is like the preseason, and you know teams get off to quick starts at times, or you know the weather hasn't shifted yet, and teams guys are still trying to figure out teams are trying still trying to figure out their identities. By October, you should know who you are, and even with that being said, there is a period of fatigue that sets in uh, mid to late October where you start seeing some just crazy results or some shit that just doesn't make sense. This is one of these weeks. I'm not going to say this is not the wildest week we've ever seen in, in professional in, in, in recent NFL history. Like we've seen crazier. We've seen, we've seen more upsets. But these were this. I think. We could be headed for the next couple Sundays, at least till we get to November, or maybe until we get to uh, Thanksgiving, possibly, or a stretch of weeks where, you know, a lot, it could be some unpredictable uh, results. Remember, the gap between the good and great teams is is not that is not that big. There's no dominant team in the league right now. Now, I'm not going to say that the, the football. I heard a lot of this after this weekend that is wide open. It's not wide open. Let's let's. That's not. There's not going to be a surprise Super Bowl winner this year. Team that wins the Super Bowl will not. Will be a team that you could have said at the beginning of the season could be a Super Bowl. Could, uh, could be a Super Bowl winner. You won't be surprised. Super shocked. 
So there's not it's not that. When you say wide open, let's let's calm down with that. There are about five or six teams possibly that could win the Super Bowl. Maybe if, if maybe even less than that. But let's say five to six offhand, just for the sake of argument. Um, so you know, I, I chalk it up to uh some fatigue. Mid-season fatigue, I'm not going to say boredom because you can't get bored in only 17-game season, but some fatigue, some injuries, uh, and, and things of that nature. And just, you know, some of the, just, it's just from a sense, just no dominant team. There's no there's no team that has separated themselves from the rest of the pack. That's all there is to it. Or teams, or teams that separate themselves to that extent. All the thoughts, the Bulls survive a scare. Um, so... The Bulls take out the Giants 14 and 9. This is was by far uh the best performance the Giants have had all season. By far. It's not even close. Uh the Giant defense came to play. Uh they were able to run the ball. Uh Tyrod Taylor, I thought, did everything but managed the clock what but the managed the clock at the, at the end of the first half, which cost uh the Giants dearly because they would have been uh they would have been in position for a game winning field goal that during that last drive. But I can't ask for anything more out of Tyrod Taylor. He's Tyrod Taylor. Like, you're talking about a veteran backup quarterback, a solid veteran backup quarterback. But he had no turnovers, and he made some plays. And, again, I don't I don't have the highest expectations for Tyrod Taylor. But I guess the thing that to take out this game would be uh, the Bill offense. Um, the Giant defense is not good. Like coming, the Giant defense is at the bottom half of the league. They were ranked 28th and 27th in yards and points, and that was after this game where they only gave up 14 points. Like they they were even worse, obviously coming into this game. So that defense is not what it was last year. They you know they are their season is in essence over at one and five. Like they're not going anywhere. They're playing with their backup quarterback. So was you know. I, listen, I, I think if you're Buffalo again, I don't never. I'm never worried concerned about Buffalo's defense. Buffalo's defense is going to do what it does. Um, now I'm sure Buffalo was not happy that the Giants were able to run the ball with a back, basically with a backup quarterback, knowing that that's what exactly what they were going to try to do. So I don't think you know if you want to nitpick from that standpoint defensively, you can certainly uh, you can certainly look at that as, as a as a slight concern. But offensively, I don't. Again, I just don't understand what I still still not th- I, I still don't think that they figure out what exactly is the plan offensively. I still I, we were talking about this in week one, uh, with uh when they lost that horrible game to the Jets, which doesn't look as bad now considering how well the Jets have played despite not having Aaron Rodgers. But uh, from a Bulls standpoint, I, I don't quite I, I don't quite get what they're trying to do offensively, and I I think that they don't really know what they are trying to do or what they want to do offensively. There's still that lack of identity in terms of who they are offensively. And that shouldn't be the case when you have a franchise, a top quarterback like Josh Allen, when you have weapons like, you know, when you have a, a Stephon Diggs, like that just should be and, and, and good tight ends um, and a good tight end. So I, I like, I don't, again, I'm, Considering what happened this week, I wouldn't go too crazy about what transpired. San Francisco and Philadelphia lost. So Buffalo, you get the win and you take it and you move on. But there are still some quite major question marks 
about that team, about that offense's identity moving forward. And again, if you're Buffalo, you're not thinking about the regular season. You're thinking you are preparing for January. It's just Super Bowl or bust. It's just that simple. Anything less than a Super Bowl appearance is a major disappointment. That's where Buffalo is at right now. They've been in the conference championship. They've been in the playoffs every year. They've won divisional day or they've owned that division. So it's not like getting the playoffs and winning a game and getting bounced. That's that's a horrible season. Even going to the NFC AFC championship would be unacceptable without without a Super Bowl appearance. So that's where they're at right now. But again, that offense should not look that bad against a, at home against a giant team that, you know, they are they are who they are as far as their record. They're a one in five football team. They just they are just a bad with that's been beat up and again was playing without their starting quarterback. But give the Giants credit, they fought they probably outplayed Buffalo for the most part. Uh held Buffalo under three hundred yards. Um so I, I get a Giants credit, but it was uh, it was not not enough. Buffalo gets the victory. Marquee games. Um, Jets Eagle was very was interesting. Uh, Give the Jets a lot of credit. Um, they had Jalen Hurts in a vice grip. Uh, they made him look. He, they, I mean, it was one, literally one of the worst games of his career. Three interceptions. Um, mind you, they're playing again with Zach Wilson, who hasn't been terrible. At quarterback, but he's still Zach Wilson. Uh, they, they they were missing their two starting cornerbacks, including I, the guy who I think is the best in the game right now, Sauce Gardner, all who's an All Pro. Um, and I think you know if you want to, if you're Eagles, look at the play calling: twenty two runs, forty five passes. Like that's just inexcusable. Uh, the Jets, even without their cornerbacks, the, the Eagles. Fred Butter is running the football. Like, yes, Jalen Hurst can put up some big numbers, and if you have to go in that direction, he's capable with those receivers. He's more than capable of, of going out there and throwing the ball all over the field, making plays through the air, especially big, especially down the field. But your bread and butter uh, is running the football, using your physicality. You have one of the best offensive line, offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in all football. And I don't, I, I did get the play caller. At, at all, um, but this was more to me about the Jets. Um, you, I will get most speak more about the Jets later on, but uh, just a just a great victory for the Jets. They improved now to three and three. Um, you know, you take out Mahomes, Hurts. They've taken on some quarterbacks like Mahomes, Hurts, Josh Allen, and to be three and three, Dak Prescott to be three and three with the going through the gauntlet of quarterbacks and the, the schedule. It's pretty phenomenal. Again, we'll talk more about them later in the podcast. Um, some other games um, you had, we'll get to, yeah, some other other marquee game that you had um, to talk of. Uh, Cincinnati taking out Seattle, uh, 17-14. Uh, this was a game Cincinnati completely won with their defense. Uh, obviously, Burrow's not healthy. We know this. Uh, Seattle had been great on the road, by the way, um, prior to this game. I think they had won like 16 of 20 games on the road on in, in the, on the Eastern Times in the Eastern Time Zone. Uh, this is old. This was a just knockdown, drag out um, type game. It really was indicative of how the day went uh, in the NFL. Um, Cincinnati, you know. They <laughs> they're doing it again. Like they they uh, start out, you know, with or three. Uh, 
They've won now three straight. They're three and three. They are right in the thick of that division. Um, again, the Burrow injury does have is concerning though. Know, he does not look like the same quarterback. He just doesn't. Um, that like he, you could tell that he's not right right now. Uh, those calf injuries could be tricky in football, especially as a quarterback. I don't think I don't see that. Like I don't see it him being ever a hundred percent over the course of for the rest of the season because that's just I mean that's an injury that just doesn't heal fast. And they're gonna have to nurse their way. They're they're gonna have to defend. They're going to rely heavily on their defense and their running game. Uh, they Burrow is not gonna be able to carry them, especially in that division. Um, so, but give them a lot of credit. They are three and three. Um, very winnable game for for Seattle. Uh, but just too many mistakes. Too many mistakes. But I say give Cincinnati's credit. Cincinnati's defense all the credit in the world. As they get a butt, as they you know, just do what they do. Listen, this is a, but they they are a mentally tough franchise right now, and I've never thought you. I would say that about the Cincinnati Bengals, but you know, you you have a quarterback, where you have coaches that you know who are excellent in terms of game planning, especially defensively, and you have a they built this culture of winning and believing that, hey, our season's never over. We've been in shit. We've been down before. We had, you know, struggled early and bounced back. That that goes a long way uh, in, a, in a long season, in a 17-game season. So I give them a lot of credit for, you know, gutting that, that victory out. Um, like I said, they are every, – every every team in that division has won three games. So with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and, and themselves, and also Cleveland. So that division is going to be fun to watch. Over the uh, course of the, uh, over the course of the season, and speaking of Cleveland, in the game of the week, um, Cleveland just ball San Francisco defensively uh, nineteen to seventeen, and still and just so you, I mean, still almost could have easily lost the game. One if the guy doesn't make a doesn't miss a field goal, a forty one yard field goal. But this was a defensive clinic uh, for uh, for Cleveland. They absolutely. Just did whatever they wanted to against Brock Purdy. Purdy had been playing as well as a quarterback and played uh, up to this point, but they, you know, they had him running for his life in essence uh, for the majority of the game. And they really, they were like the Jet defense was on Jalen Hurts. It was very similar with Cleveland's defense um, being on Brock Purdy. And, and good, listen, Cleveland after that after that embarrassing show against Baltimore. Uh, as far at 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 home, um, the defense stood up. The defense stood up against the offense that had been putting up thirty point games left and right against a quarterback that had never lost a regular season game. Uh, so they snapped his. I think he had started out his career ten and zero or eleven and zero, and they had a fifteen game. San Francisco prior to this game had a fifteen game winning, a fifteen game regular season winning streak that was snapped. So. Um, Listen, Cleveland has a bunch of talent on defense. They got, like I said, I I never like thought that they couldn't play defense, but I just really, I was not going to put them up there as this all time great single season defense that people were ready to anoint them. But they are a excellent, they are a top legit top tier defensive football team. Don't get that mistaken. They can play defense with anybody. Uh, Miles Garrett, we know what, what Miles Garrett brings, and. They, you know, they've actually upgraded the talent over the course of the, of the offseason. So they are capable of having performances like this against a team that many thought coming into the game was the best team in football, including myself, myself included, and thought that it was the Super Bowl favorites. And again, I don't go, to, listen, I, I, 
my my thing with San Francisco, I don't care about this loss. You know, nobody's going. They weren't going to go undefeated. Nobody was going to go undefeated. We understand that. Don't care about the loss, but it's just. But McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel's, uh, Samuel's, and uh, Trent Williams. Those are three. Those are their three best players. Like if I'm ranking their player, three best players. Um, Trent Williams, McCaffrey, and Debo Samuels. Not only are three of their best, but three of the four most important players on that team. Those are three guys that all have to be healthy. They can't afford to have any of those guys not healthy for them to go to to, to go to the Super Bowl. Let them forget about winning to go to the Super Bowl. They can't like they get none of those guys could be hurt. None of them. So they are going to like navigate. Um, Especially McCaffrey, I don't. I don't think. Listen, Trent Williams, you know he's going to play every down with the teams on offense. There's no really resting uh, offensive tackle, especially a tackle that uh, protects your quarterback, protects your, your future franchise quarterback. But and, and Debo is going to play. Debo is going to be Debo as far as you know. He's tough as nails. Fit one of the most physical receivers in the in the league. But the McCaffrey thing would kind of bot would kind of make me nervous if I was if I was a San Francisco fan. Because as a guy who has a injury history, uh, he's missed as many games as he as he's played. So he like you have to handle him with kick gloves. It's just it's all there's to it. And he like I said, he had, on when he's been on the field, he has been dynamic. He's played up at the, on the MVP caliber level this year. So they're going to find a way to really lighten his load. You remember you are you are preserving him for January. It's not about October. It's not about November. I don't, I, I would be even willing to sacrifice home home field advantage if I could like for him to be healthy. I mean, you know you can win it anywhere. Your game, your defense travels, your offensive line. You can win. You won playoff road games at Green Bay, okay, at Dallas. Like so, it's not even about that. About the home course, home field. Sure, you like home field. Sure, you would like the extra the extra week of, of rest. Of course, who who would. But if you have to sacrifice that to keep McCaffrey healthy, it's way more important to get McCaffrey to keep McCaffrey upright. Who won the week? Um, the New York Jets. Uh, New York Jets won clearly won the week to be. Um, again, when Aaron Rodgers goes down in the fourth play of the season for the Jets, offensive play for the Jets, at that point it's like season is it's a wrap. And I still think it's a wrap from the standpoint of they're not a championship contender. But when you lose your starting quarterback, your future Hall of Fame quarterback, I we've seen many of locker rooms go to shit, and many of teams fall apart, especially teams that don't have a history of winning. We're talking about a franchise that has had a a, a perennial losers, uh, haven't has one Super Bowl, but that's one more than a lot of teams. But have they? That was nineteen sixty nine. Uh, had some decent, pretty good. Have, they've been in the playoffs here and there. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll one year, you know, Bill Parcells. I mean, you know, Rex Ryan a couple of years. But for the most part, the Jets have been one of the, the laughing stocks of the National Football League. So, again, Robert Sala, all the credit in the world. And I, I would consider him, I, I think he might be on the short list of, of, of Coach of the Year candidates considering the job that he's done. And especially this game, you're talking about most, you know, we're starting quarterback. Roger start two starting cornerbacks uh, against a Philly team that we know is loaded. We know how talented they are. 
Uh, so the Jets, from that standpoint, have turned somewhat turned the corner and corner as far as character. They had a great character winning winning week one against Buffalo. Okay. Um, so they're going to be around. Like, they're going to be in the playoff mix. I don't, again, they're not a threat in the playoffs. We understand that. That that You can't hide your quarterback only so much. Not Definitely not in the playoffs. And only, even, even only so much in the regular season. But the team is fighting. They're, they believe in the coach. And they are going to be, they are going to be in most games with that defense. Defense is that good. It's not again. It's not an all-time great, but it is a legit top five NFL defense. Uh, no question. The deep dive. Uh, the Lions. I never thought I would ever, in all of my years of doing this podcast and talking about the NFL, thought that I would deep dive the Detroit Lions. But they deserve it. Um, the Lions right now are one of the best teams in the NFL. They are five and one. They have won 12 out of their last 15 games. And that's not a short sample, okay? That's almost a year's worth of football that we've got to see out of the Detroit Lions going back to last season. They rank top 10 in both offense and defense in points allowed and also yardage. So they are very much balanced, a balanced football team. Jared Goff, you can say all you want about him. About him. He went – he has played in the Super Bowl before as a starting down for a quarterback. And he's went through some shit. He went through some shit, got traded. Uh, got told, had a team told him, you look good enough, and they won the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. But, you know, he's played, he played extremely well. And, um, again, I from, listen, they're going to make the playoffs. We, we understand. We know this. But injuries are withstanding. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going, to, they're going to absolutely run away with that division. They are so by far the best team in that division. It's not funny. And they, I was looking at their schedule. They have a legit chance to win 12 to 13 games. That is on the table. They will, they will be in the conversation for best record in a conference in the AFC. They will absolutely be in that mix because the, the schedule is just not, their schedule is just not hard with that division. The, the toughest team they play for the rest of the remainder of the season we have 11 games left. The toughest team they played for the remainder of the season at toughest game on papers at Baltimore, which is this week. That is the that is literally that their toughest game remaining. That division is dreadful. I mean, you're talking about still multiple games against what Minnesota and Chicago. So um, listen, the Lions have been perennial losers. Like the Jets have, the Lions have been even worse. Like the Jets don't. At least the Jets have a Super Bowl. The Lions have never been to a Super Bowl. Nobody cares about those NFL championships from the from the fifties and thirties, um, and they, you know, <laughs> it's hard to overlook a culture of losing. But that right now, what I'm seeing is a team that could be a surprise if they made the NFC championship. Would I would I be shocked? No, they could be a surprise get visit visitor in the, in, in the NFC championship now. Are they? Would they be either Philadelphia or San Francisco? No, of course not. But it's not far fetched to say that the Detroit Lions would, would will not only will make the playoffs, but could also win a playoff game if not if if not two playoff games, depend if, if you know depending on where they're seated. Um, excellent offensive line, like I said, they have an excellent offensive line. They run the football. Uh, they have a coach that 
isn't afraid to, isn't doesn't play conservative conservatively play takes chances. I still gotta see more. Like I still like have to see more uh, from the standpoint of I mean I gotta see it in the playoffs with their with, with their franchise because they have some, such a history of losing, and they haven't they, this particular iteration of the of, of their team hasn't has no real playoff experience as a team. So we'll see how it plays out. But they definitely deserve to be mentioned amongst you know once you get past. San Francisco and Philadelphia, they are, I mean, they're the third best team in the conference behind those two teams. They have separated themselves from everyone else outside of San Francisco and, and, uh, and uh, Philadelphia. Stock up, stock down, stock up. CJ Stroud, uh, very few rookie quarterbacks come in and have any success in the NFL. It is extremely rare. Uh, even Peyton Manning stunk in his rookie season. Go back and look at it. Um, so, so when a guy comes out, is nine touchdowns, one interception, and has led his team, most importantly, led his team to a 500 record. It deserves notice. And I'm, listen, short sample, six games. Well, it's not a short sample for because the season, that's almost basically a third of the season. But there, there are intangibles that you see that just that go beyond stats. And when you, see, you hear some of the things that are being said about him, like he already is immersed as one of the leaders in the locker room. Team already believes in him. That tells you all you need to know. Because the NFL, personal sports is not kind to rookies who are not superstars coming off the bat. Like they're like Victor Wimbayana is such a generational talent that you have no choice but to kind of not so much bow down to him. But the other players in the around the league know how talented that dude is. They know. Like they they they're not, it's just it stands out. But when you're coming to the National Football League and playing one of the most important, toughest positions in all the sports, one of the most, one of the premier positions in all the sports, and you can come out on a franchise that has done nothing but do ass backwards stuff over the last five, six years. It says a lot. Like he single handedly is is changing or shifting the culture of that football team. And there's not a lot of talent on that football team. That's, they are not. They are devoid of a lot of talent. Trust me, their, their receivers are not. You know, Robert Woods is at the end, almost at the end of at the end of his rope as far as you know his career. He's not what he once was, and some of the other guys they have like it's not a who's who in terms of the names. It's just uh, just on that roster, just to, just to tell you. So he's not what like he's not he's not walking to a San Francisco 49 situation like Brock Purdy did, uh, or even Jalen Hurts with the Eagles with how much talent that they had. Uh, so. You have to give you have to uh, give him a lot of credit. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, they will be right in the thick of that division because no one is running running away with the AFC South, as we all know. Or start down. Um, the Chargers stay the Chargers. Um, there wasn't even like I can't even call this a choke job per se. I've seen we've seen a number of uh, over the last ten to fifteen years. The Chargers find new and creative ways to lose. It's just a It's just watching. It's just Watching them play football, like they, like Dallas had more penalties. I think Dallas had eleven for eighty nine. Chargers had like nine for eighty seven, something like that. But it, it was when their penalties came, like big pass plays got called back. You have your all pro or Pro Bowl left tackle Slater, who who can't all of a sudden can't block anybody. Um, just just a comedy of errors. And like I said, I've said this since the beginning of the season, even maybe even last offseason, the, the clock is ticking on Brandon Staley. It really is. Because this is the last year 
where Justin Herbert is not going to be making just ridiculous money and you're going to have to like start losing some talent based off the fact that he's going to be taking out a lot of your salary cap, which he should as a franchise, as the franchise quarterback. And, you know, Justin Herbert, for all the talent that he has, has he is, you know, is he where he should be right now? All things considered, considering some of the weapons they have, considering how good their offensive line is. I, Listen, I Brandon Staley would have been gone after last year if it was my team. After what happened in the playoffs, uh, what happened in that game last year against Jacksonville, that would have been enough to be been like, nah, it's a wrap. But he gets another chance, and like I said, if they don't, if that team doesn't not only make the playoffs, but doesn't at least make it to a, win a win a, a game and make it to the divisional, I can't just you can't just fight Brandon Staley keeping his job. But the Chargers, the Chargers stay the Chargers. They find ways to lose. That game was right on the platter for them to win, but they could not get it done. And they never do. We're going to end up, oh, we did have some. Uh, so, all right, before we get some real thoughts, uh, looking ahead to week seven, right? Um, there's some big matchups in week seven. Two, I think, excellent games. One great game. Miami, Philadelphia. Uh, should be very interesting. Those offenses, both those offenses are very good. The Miami offense is just dynamic. Philadelphia, you know, we'll see how Miami can match up with it. We'll get another test of a, another team that is a physical smash mouth team that likes to punch you in the mouth. We'll see how they didn't respond well against Buffalo. We'll see how they respond on the road against Philadelphia. And Detroit, Baltimore. Uh, Detroit goes to Baltimore. So we can see Detroit against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. And this is, like I said, this would be on paper their toughest, they are uh, their toughest game. So those are two very good games uh, the states to be looking forward to in a week seven. Again, we have not gotten to that stage where we're going to see four or five excellent games. It's still, so I'll be patient. They, you know, we will. They're coming. They're coming. It's coming. November. Once November hits, then you will start to see some of those big time games. So uh, we're still, you know, the pickings are still kind of slim as far as uh, great games goes over the course of the week, especially with the primetime games. But it, 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 you know, we are, we'll be, you know, we'll be out. We'll be in the clear soon in a couple of weeks. But again, the Miami, hopefully, it lives up to the building because a couple of these Sunday night games have not that have been built up as to be great games. But um, Miami Philadelphia should be very should be uh, fascinating to say the least. So I I haven't discussed uh, what is going on, of course, in, in Israel and in you know the Gaza the Gaza Strip and, and what's going on in the Middle East and, and, and since it started. Um, I only think I. You know, I did a podcast last week and it was it was well discussed. It was going on. So I wanted to, I really wanted to be careful and thoughtful about what I said in regards to the situation. Um I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read a quote. Well, not a quote. I'm gonna read a statement from an anonymous person that uh, I got permission from to read it this. I know this individual, uh know this indiv- individual and I, here's the quote, and again, to 
anybody Jewish, I'm going to apologize in advance for there are going to be some words that I just flat out, flat out butcher. I thought a lot this weekend, this past weekend, about what it means to be Jewish. I thought about how Oy Vey Mesuga, Mesuga Nef, and Mitzvah were common terms in my home. Again, I apologize for putting you know, some of those terms. I thought about the gifts I got for Chanaka, Hanuk- I was about to say Hanukkah, uh, Chanaka as a child, Chanaka as a child, the candles I lit, the dreads I spun. I thought about the books I read about the Holocaust, the fear I felt as a Jew. I thought about the Exodus, thought about the Exodus, the story of Jews escaping slavery in Egypt. I thought about the story of my grandfather writing his cousin during the Holocaust. A Jew in Poland and how the letters stopped one day, how my grandfather never heard from his cousin again. I thought about my visit to Yad Vashem, a museum in Jerusalem that depicts the horrors of the Holocaust. I thought about the last exhibit in that museum. I walked through a trail in complete darkness, and I saw names of children who were killed in the Holocaust light up on the walls around me. I walked out of that exhibit sobbing. The pain, the anger, and sadness I felt in that moment was overwhelming. I felt proud to be a part of a people who had overcome. But more than anything, through all of these thoughts, I thought about how Palestinians live in the world's largest open-air prison, how Israel controls their electricity, their water, and their food. I thought about how, by the end of today, Israel will have killed over 3,000 Gazans, at least 1,000 being children, uh, Gazans, excuse me. I thought about how the world cried for Israel but was silent for decades as Palestinians were murdered and continued to be silent as the death toll in Gaza rose. As Jews, we have a duty to make sure that no one is ever murdered or killed because of what they believe, what they look like or where they are born, to make sure that what happened to us happens to no one else. Many people in Gaza die simply for being born there. Right now, Palestinian homes and hospitals are being bombed with families in them. Children are dying. And as Jews, we have a duty to advocate against that now and forever. And if you claim to be an ally to Jewish people, you have that duty too. Uh, That perspective is, to me, I I couldn't, you couldn't have said better uh, to me and the problem with versus that perspective versus what you've seen on mainstream media or versus what you've heard in general on this internet with a bunch of people just have no clue what the hell they're talking about. I mean, zero clue, haven't read anything, have no, there's no substance. It's all, it's all, you know, a lot of social media bullshit. That perspective, there was humility. There was empathy there clearly has been, was experienced. Like the person that has been to Jerusalem has been, you know, has been exposed to a number of things, uh, clearly well-read, clearly just, again, a lot of thought. This was a long, like, 
this was see one two three four paragraphs this is a long this was this was, this was a lot a lot of words so clearly I, 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 there was a, I, I could you could just read it and tell how much thought went into it um and I, what I've seen throughout the course of, of this situation is uh, our society, America leading the way, being so quick to pick a side. No, we stand with Israel. Cool. You can stand with Israel, but what about the innocent Palestinians that are killed? Women, children, innocent people who just have no, like they're not fighting in the war. Who are not fighting in the war or who have no part of this. So I, I don't I, I I stand myself with humanity. That's what I that's who that's who that's who that's what I stand with. Right. And this thing, I'm telling you right now, this thing is so complicated. Like there are literally books upon books and that could be that would that could be written and still wouldn't tell can tell the entire story, explain every facet of what's going on. Even if you, I'm telling you, and I've listened to a number of podcasts, I've read things, even even people who we call experts who are in or who are over there and can explain it, uh, can have it and have a pulse on what's going on, still will tell you how complicated it is. Even academics, academics will tell. I don't care how smart the like how intelligent these people are. These are some intelligent people. These are people who are just who 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 are covering this. This is a part of their life. Like you have some got some news people. You have some some people who are just have been lifers at at, uh, at, at describing what's going on, and they will tell you how comp. They will be like, don't simplify this as. Israel versus Palestine is if you think that then you're just a fool and you're clearly not well read and you're clearly not willing to take the time to even get a sense of what the hell is going on or practicing humanity by the way so I would encourage anybody if you really want to know what's going on do the research talk get both perspectives Get, uh, get all the get all the perspectives and listen. You know, just do more. Just do less talking with this situation and more reading and listening and watching. That's why I would. That's why I would advise anybody. This is again. This thing is way more complicated than what we're making it out to. Than what we even realize. Than we even think we realize. It is. It just is. You know. Pray for everybody. Pray for ever. Pray for all of everybody involved. Bottom line, don't get caught up in this. This is not. This is not a sporting event. It's not. You know. It's not taking a side. I mean, that should not be the perspective. That should not be the viewpoint that you that you're coming. The prism that you're coming from. Coming. Um, the prism in which you view this from shouldn't be. That's going to wrap it up for this last edition of the real. Bill podcast. I will see you next time. You will begin here. Stay tuned for the next edition. Uh in terms of the snowfall. We are up to season two, episode nine. That will be the next episode that comes out. That will be out uh next week. So stay tuned for that. Have a great rest of your evening. So long.